On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we, of course, are talking the offseason and draft with a special guest. It's Brad Kelly back on the show, good friend of the program. So it's a heck of a show. So buckle up and cue the music. receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. Welcome back, man. Thanks so much for coming along. And uh, tonight, of course, we're live on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and all over the place. And uh, so welcome on, man. We appreciate you coming on with us again. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Course, so man. let's uh, let's get right into it. Um, it. Not much has changed since the last time we talked to you in terms of the quarterback situation. Obviously, Cam Newton was was resigned recently. And we I think last time we talked, we kind of Figured that was going to be their plan, um, and, and now we look towards the draft. Um, I, I guess I started out with you. What's your ideal plan here? Is it is it a trade up? Is it a go get a Fields? Uh, maybe a little pipe dream with Wilson, Trey Lance. Uh, what's your pipe dream here? Well, last time we talked, uh, you asked what the ideal scenario was, and I said sign Dak Prescott. So unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. that is uh, out of the question now. But when it comes to the draft. Uh, yeah, I think moving up, I think, would be ideal. And it's going to come down to, is it available? You know, if the quarterbacks go one, two, three, like some some people think they might, then like, I don't know if it's going to be a realistic op- option for them because there are quarterback needy teams ahead of them. But say the Jets decide, you know, we're going to stick with Sam Darnold and and they pass in a quarterback and suddenly they, there are some available beyond pick five, whether that be, for me, it would be Justin Fields and then Trey Lance. Uh, those two guys are who I view number two and number three among the quarterbacks uh, going up to get one of them, I think would be ideal if the opportunity does present itself. Yeah. For me, I think if you get in that six through eight range, it's probably, and obviously there's charts out there, the, the value of it, but you have to think 15, 96 and maybe a first next year gets you into that range. Um, and and I, if you get the right guy, no one's, no one's talking about what the price was to go up and get him. Uh, but I want to ask you, too, because it's interesting. I have a mock coming out tomorrow um, to go up and get a quarterback. It, sneak peek, it's it's Justin Fields. But uh, what is up with, like, he has not been talked about, and maybe it's the buzz around Lance and after his pro day and, you know, the the, the tools and the, the, the quote-unquote lottery ticket with him. And then, obviously, Zach Wilson's, um, you know, crazy arm talent and athleticism. What What, what is the deal with Fields? Because it, it – like we talked about it, and I think it's still true. If Trevor Lawrence isn't in this draft, he's probably this the consensus number one pick, really, since the last three, four years. And now it seems like people haven't fallen to outside the top five, even right around the eight, nine range. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, for me, Justin Fields is uh, the number two quarterback, like I said previously. Sure. Um, and I think part of it, it might just be, you know, who the Jets prefer you know these teams at the top who the falcons prefer because a lot of times that's going to sway um 
you know, writers and, and insiders when they're saying, you know, the teams that are actually in at the position to draft those players prefer, prefer Zach Wilson or prefer Trey Lance, whatever it may be. Um, I, as far as Justin Fields goes, I mean, he was significantly better than Zach Wilson at pretty much every step of the way, you know, in their co collegiate careers. And I think that includes this year, especially down the stretch of the season where Zach Wilson had a middling performance against Coastal Carolina and then probably the easiest game ever in their bowl game, whereas Justin Fields was dropping bombs against Clemson. Like, I think he looked like a, an easy, typical quarterback one um, uh, in the college football playoffs. Uh, so for me, I don't really know what the issue would be. Maybe it's the teams at the top of the draft preferring other prospects and, and not kind of swaying the the rhetoric. But I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I think he's a perfect fit for the Patriots. I think he's a perfect fit for all those teams. I would take him number two overall. I mean, the accuracy, the, the field's accuracy is off the charts. I mean, it's it's insane. You know, and they talk about PFF goes into great detail about it. And, you know, um, it's one of those interesting things where it's like, okay, you know, uh, they look at obviously – catchable balls right within a, a certain distance and they said you know 10 between that 10 to 20 range you're talking about a guy that was like 65 percent of his passes were catchable yeah. balls in that range and the next lowest guy the next highest guy was like 56 i mean it, yeah. it was dominating and then mac jones was number one between zero and ten and fields was number two so like so you're talking about a guy that's insanely accurate and yes had good weapons at ohio state like had you know fine but like really you know, and the processing speed, I think, is the big thing that that people have talked about. The processing speed and his processing speed isn't good, and blah blah blah. It's good. I don't, I don't know. I don't see it. I just I don't see the I don't see the processing speed thing. I will say, and we talked about this a little bit off air. It's it's surprising when you look at the amount of only twice in the last twenty years has four quarterbacks been taken in the top fifteen, right? That was twenty eleven with a whole bunch of bums, and twenty eighteen, obviously, where you know we know we know who got drafted in twenty eighteen, so. We don't need to get into those. Those four guys are all pretty darn good. So, um, you know, with Baker Mayfield Rosen. probably being the worst of the four, to be honest with you, right? Darnold, number Rosen, one. Rosen. Yeah, I Rosen. guess Donald. I guess Donald number one uh, was pretty Rosen. Oh, was Rosen, Rosen that year too? Rosen was ten. Yeah. So Rosen was the worst. No, that wasn't. Yeah, Allen was, was that. I'm thinking was was the wrong draft. Lamar, Lamar was late. Right, Lamar's right, late. right. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. So either way, right? So Rosen might be the worst. But either either way, the idea is that I don't know if obviously maybe the history history might change a little bit this year, but like it doesn't happen very often when you see a ton of quarterbacks get taken in the top fifteen. I don't know if they're gonna have to go up to four or five to go get a guy like that. Uh, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. I think it's interesting with with the field stuff though. I'd be shocked. Like, why why not take him at two? It doesn't, you know, I don't know. I don't see it. Well, that's kind of what what I was kind of getting at. Like maybe the Jets, it's possible the Jets want to roll with Sam Darnold, want to improve his surroundings and give him uh, a better opportunity to showcase his talents. On top of that, I believe the Falcons just restructured Matt Ryan's contract, and it looks like he's going to be their quarterback for the next two years. Yeah, because it's a, it's not least. a movable contract. I think next year is like forty million dead cap hit if he's moved. So that's another. Uh, you know, that's two teams who in the top four potentially who might be passing on quarterbacks that was previously thought to be targeting one. And that could be the thing that leads to even if it's just one of them, even if it's just Trey Lance or just Justin Fields that are available after pick eight uh, when the Panthers pick. That would be the opportunity, I think, for the Patriots to to leap up there, because I don't, I don't think the Eagles are taking a quarterback. Um, and the only other team really in that range that would be looking at one is the Niners at pick 12, and you really only have to hop them. 
So I think that's kind of where it is. If you get out to the top eight with one of those top four available, that's where you want to move up. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talked about it. And I think if we had this conversation two weeks ago, it'd be a lot different because I don't think, obviously they went into free agency with a plan, filled a ton of holes, both on both sides of the ball, mm -hmm. right? Where if you were like, can we leverage, can we mortgage three picks, four picks in the next two years to go up and, and really get our guy? You start second guessing yourself. There's too many holes on, on, on both sides of the ball, but with the two tight ends, Judon and obviously big depth pieces. Now you, you, you can afford to do that really. And, and, uh, I think that's why, and also too, you get a rookie in here on a rookie contract. You see how easy it is to to build around them for the next four plus years. I think this is the the perfect time. And obviously, Belichick's never done it; never really had to. We're so used to him trading back. Um, but if if anything is shown from how this offseason has started, the last you know week and a half, it's pointing towards a trade up. Uh, but like you said, the board's kind of gonna fall half, gonna have to fall into their into their hands where they're able to you know, realistically get up and get a guy. I think Fields is a perfect fit. I also think Trey Lance, just because of, you know, kind of how they're surrounding, it seems like with Cam Newton, uh, obviously a great guy to kind of sit behind and learn how to be a professional. Um, I, I think Fields would be my ideal fit, most realistic one too. I think that's what important what you said as far as the structure of free agency goes, because number one, a lot of the deals were at least two years. Um, like Nelson Aguilar's deal was two years. A lot of them were longer. Um, but I think for the next two seasons, you're looking at a, a roster that's ready to compete right now. And I think it's almost regardless of who's behind center. Um, I think when you look at the, the the construction of the roster at this point in time, I think if Cam Newton is your quarterback for the next two years, you're a winning team both years. However, beyond that, you know, if you can develop Trey Lance uh, for half a season or one season, and then he's the starter and he raises the ceiling of the team. Now you're looking at a team that might be ready to compete as far as the entire the AFC goes. Um, and, and beyond that, the long-term deals that they have signed beyond two to three years, if those players are still playing at a high level, I think that the construction of the roster is important because it's going to be something that can prop up a young quarterback if they do end up going in that route. Right. I agree. And I just want to put up, uh, Dan said this, uh, are they in the market for Darnold? No and, chance. And so this is the thing, right? In my, my, mock, my mock draft 1.0, uh, I had them trading for Donald because I thought it was a smart move uh, for them. For what? what at was, this, what? What they give up? Uh, fifteen? No, no, geez, forty-six, uh, one twenty, and uh, next year's third-round pick. So, which I thought wasn't too, which was, which is a little bit, a little bit much. But again, my argument kind of was that you, they're the Jets, so you have to overpay a little bit, um, and you're getting a guy who's still twenty-four years old. Um, who's obviously looked terrible, but you know, is, is basically still on a rookie contract. The thing is at this point, it doesn't make sense to do that because you have cam. So if you were going to make that deal, you would have made it right. If they wanted to do that, they would have done it. Right. And they, and they didn't. And so you brought in cam and now I think is the perfect opportunity to go up and get your quarterback, uh, of the future. Now, maybe they're like, Hey, you know what? Davis mills. We're cool with it. Right. We want Davis mills. We like that. We'll trade back at 46. We'll pick up an extra pick in the third round. And we'll take him at, you know, 70 something or what, you know, whatever. Or we'll take him in the, you know, in the fifties or something like that. So I don't know if that's a situation, if that's what they're looking at, but like, you know, are they interested in a guy like that? Are they, are they looking at Kellen Bond? Are they, you know, like, I don't know, you know, we don't know of course what they're doing, but as bag said, like you see what they did in free agency and, and to your point, Brad, they can be competitive right now with Cam Newton. Like this year they can be competitive, but 
you know, you're signing guys for four years. Like this is a long-term plan. It's not just like, Hey, we're trying to rebuild and win a Super Bowl right now. That's, that's not what it is. It's like, we're trying to rebuild and restart the dynasty, right. And kind of keep it going. And so to do that, we need the next guy. And so that next guy isn't cam that, that guy this year could be cam, but again, and even if he, even if it was cam, he's on a one-year deal, right? So like, that's really what it comes down to is that he's on a one-year deal. If, if your plan was, we're going to start building for the future and cam is the guy moving forward, you would have signed him for more than one year. Right. So like, so that's where I kind of keep coming back to. It makes sense to go after someone young and sure, Gardner Minshew, like, fine. Yeah, okay. Like, I would have been cool with a fifth-round pick for Gardner Minshew. Like, absolutely, right? Uh, Jackson just signed, just signed someone else, right? They signed a they signed a backup quarterback today. So, um, CJ Bethard, I think. CJ, yeah, CJ Bethard. Bethard or whatever, so, however you so, see it. Right, so they have a quarterback, a backup quarterback. Obviously, they're drafting a quarterback at number one. So, like, they don't need, they don't need, you know, Minshew. But it's like, well, you have Cam. Like, is that really an upgrade over Cam? Like, I don't know. Like, it's just... So that's one of those things where it's like, it doesn't make sense to do any of that stuff. It only makes sense to go get your guy in the draft because otherwise what the hell do you bring Cam in here for the first place? You know, on top of that, when it comes to Sam Darnold, if you're Joe Douglas, man, you have to have some balls to trade. That trade guy. in division. Right. Yeah. That's what I oh said. Well, they made one trade in the last 20 years. It was but that's Thomas. two trades, two trades. I, oh, the, the sure. trade for what? Asiasi or Keen last year, one of them. Yeah. They moved up in the draft or something like that. But that's, but that's why, that's why I gave up so much in that, in that fake yeah. trade, because it was like, in order to make that deal, you're going to have to overpay for him. You know what I mean? But, but it's, it's not, not, not to be so with, you know, but. I, I understand where you're coming from as far as a young quarterback goes, and even if they're not necessarily in the draft, I think it, it could be beneficial, you know, depending on where they where the team uh, falls on Jared Stidham to go get one of those guys and have a draft pick. You know, if, if I can't not, believe you even said his name on this podcast. Dude. No, I, know, I can't right? believe it. <laughs> if, I can't if, believe it. In fairness, I'm being negative towards him. If the team <laughs> has a negative outlook on Jared Stidham, it might make sense to try to trade for Gardner Minshew and use a mid-round pick on a quarterback. If not, then you use your mid-round pick, you know, and and have them compete with Stidham. But it, it could make sense to go get someone as well. On top of that, if Minshew is available for a day three pick, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, his he's already proven that he can be at least capable at the NFL level while these third-round guys, you know, guys who quarterbacks who will be available in the third round of the draft have not yet done that. Well, Jim Nagy, Jim Nagy thinks that he's like a legitimately really good starter in the NFL. Minshew, like he's like he said something along the lines of like, "Oh, Jacksonville can draft, can draft like Trevor Lawrence no. to like compete." Basically, no. like he's a lunatic, but like, but I don't, I wouldn't go that far. But I do think like I, you saw flashes from him, and it would be interesting to see if you put him in the right in the right system. Like you never know what you could get from a guy like that, you know. I was going to say, if, if, if it's just – if they don't draft a guy and it's Stidham and Cam, I said, I said today jokingly, but you bet your ass that hype train's coming back up for a second year. Oh you, guys God, on. you bet your ass. No, I'm kidding. But I'm, I'm kind of kidding. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But anyways, I want to get into – enough about pick 15 because – and obviously you're the best guy to talk wide receivers with. Waddle. Um, yeah. Um, oh, I don't think there's oh, any chance. God. That was the guy we were talking about last time, and then like obviously things fall into place. I don't think he gets past Detroit, even Philly, maybe. I can't um, imagine, yeah. But anyways, I think it's you know obviously I, I love the Kendrick Bourne signing. I'm, I'm not sure your thoughts. You can give it that as well. Nelson Aguilar too. Um, obviously you had you had noted uh, as well as me like they haven't had a guy who can stretch the field vertically really since Brandon Cooks. Um, and I think that fills a big need for them. It's helped stretch the field a little bit and open up things up the middle, especially with those two tight ends. 
but I think still they're still in the market for a wide receiver. It's it's still a question that keeps me up at night why they didn't take one last year with how loaded that class was. This year's, you know, a, a really good class, really deep as well, especially on day two. Um, you know, guys that you're looking at day two, which I, I think is the realistic option for them to kind of take one in, in that round two to three range. I know we talked about him on St. St. Ross St. Brown before, uh, but I think trying to find that true X is, is important for them. Uh, I, I love a guy like Tom Wallace. I know we talked about him last time. I know you're pretty big on him. Um, but I, I guess your thoughts on, on some guys that they could look at as well as where they should be looking in terms of round. Right. So kind of touching on what you said, I think Nelson Aguilar is a Z receiver. You want him to stretch the field. Uh, but you also want to be able to use him in motion or if you're in a yep. two wide receiver offense, he's the one that's going to be detached from the line of scrimmage. Um, and he, I think he's going to fit in that field stretcher type of role. But what you don't and you have Jacoby Myers to play in the slot and Bourne is kind of a halfway, um, you know, in between an X and in between a slot. He'll probably take reps outside. And he did that at San Francisco. And I thought he's pretty efficient against press coverage but ideally you know he's like a middle of the field he's going to move the chains for you kind of in a similar skill set to a jacoby myers so they are missing that legitimate x and even the last time i was on i think we mentioned guys like brandon lafell like malcolm mitchell that and like production, that's really, yeah right that's really what you kind of if you're using a second round pick that's kind of or a third round pick that's kind of what you're hoping to get out of them uh and i mentioned this uh before we got live terrace marshall from lsu i think if, if Rashad Bateman is valued higher than Marshall, Marshall falls to the second round, I think he could be an option. He has that size, um, but he also has, uh, I think he has a unique ability in condensed space and in the red zone and be able to win while he's contested while not being kind of the plotter type that and lack of play speed that we've seen from Nikhil Harry. I think that's the difference between Marshall and a Harry and, and guys beyond him. Uh, I, I think I mentioned him last time. I might have Nico Collins out of Michigan. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. had, has the size and has the, has everything the you thought Nikhil Harry would be basically. Right. Right? Like, uh, right. Has the imposing physical profile, but one down the field more consistently. Uh, and I think he's pretty efficient, pretty smooth, like fluid footwork on those vertical breaks that you don't really see with a lot of college guys. Now his production wasn't great. Part of that was because of Shea Patterson. Uh, but I thought he looked really good in Mobile. And the way that Donovan Peoples-Jones looked his rookie year coming out of Michigan as well, he was a better pro than he was college player. I think the same will, will eventually be said for Nico Collins. So what what do you think about uh, e, uh, Imad Bebe, the dude from Illinois yeah. with a 46.5-inch vert? Uh, so, who, you know, I mean – I, I he, no one was talking about him ever until like he stepped up and you're like, he did what? Like he jumped. How high? It's yeah. Insane. So Josh Amater Bebe was uh, a USC. Transfer to yeah. To Illinois. Um, and he actually had a, a um, vertical jump just like that in high school. It was like 44 inches at the Nike Jeez. opening. Yeah. Um, there was a rep against uh, Michigan back in 2019 where he, he takes like a two-step outside release. He's getting pressed and he doesn't get a lot of separation, but then the ball comes and he's the safety's rotating over the top. So there's two guys on him and he just goes up and gets it. And it's like, like, wow, like this guy can jump out of the gym. Now his play was really inconsistent. Uh, and that's in 2019 and 2020. Um, and there were there were certain times where he was just kind of getting locked up. I don't know if he necessarily uses his athletic gifts to the to the best of his ability just yet. But as far as an athletic project you want to get in your building, I mean, he's like the prototypical day three guy that, you know, you take a flyer on, you take a chance on. I, I know it always comes back to the Bucks and Patriot Nation, 
Patriot Nation nowadays. But I was thinking as far as the Bucks go, like that's a guy you want to get in because you don't want, he doesn't have to start year one. You have a you know loaded depth chart and you have, you know, like almost insurance for Mike Evans as far as athleticism and his size goes and maybe he develops into something. Yeah, and you mentioned Harry because there's obviously been rumors and, and stuff swirling around him. You know, I think they said the Patriots won't settle for anything less than a fourth. Um, what's what's up with him? Like, is there a spot for him here? Because, like you said, they, they need an X. I, I don't. You'd know more than me. I don't think he's had much experience out there. Really, I don't think there's had been anybody that can get the ball to him out there. Uh, we saw flashes of it versus the Rams. He went up and got it, but. Is there a spot for him? Because, like, like I said, there's been teams calling on him. I, I don't know where he fits on this on this depth chart, especially if they can, you know, go upgrade it through the draft. Yeah, I mean, right now, the the way the ro- the roster is, the offensive weapons in the roster is constructed. I think with the two tight ends who are going to be on the field a lot, you have a lot of running backs. You know that Belichick wants to use a fullback. I don't know if there's necessarily a need for like a fourth wide receiver. Uh, when you know you have Aguilar born and Jacoby Myers, I think if you are looking for that, like like that fourth guy, it's someone who is a little bit more position versatile, alignment versatile. They, they might be a better yak guy because if you look at Bourne and Myers, they're not great yak players. Uh, I mean, they're tough, but they're not like, you know, special in space. I think that the fourth receiver needs to be someone more like that. There could be a spot for Harry. I mean, he should be really good with the ball in his hands. He hasn't shown that he is in the NFL, but there should be a there's a spot for him on the roster. I just don't know if it's the best fit around the pieces that you know are going to be on the field. Yeah, I mean it's I, I'm interested to see with him though because and it's almost like he doesn't fit their offense, right? He's a fifty fifty ball guy, and they don't throw that because it's a fifty fifty ball, right? Like the whole point of that is that sometimes it's complete and sometimes it isn't, and the Patriots hate stuff like that. Like they want. They want to be like, okay, you know, we're we're going to scheme guys open and throw it to the open guy. They don't want to be like, oh, this guy's got two guys draped on him, but we're going to throw it to him anyways. That's not what they do. Like, it was almost a waste of a pick uh, from, I don't, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't know what they saw there uh, with him. I don't even want to go over that all over again, but, (laughs) but, you know, it's, I am interested to see what you think about the two guys they brought in. Spags mentioned Bourne, but um, this, this guy, uh, it looks like D. Philippe said, you know, he thinks the wide receiver overall numbers would be a little bit lower than their contracts are worth this year. And I think that, yeah, and I think the number-wise is interesting because you really haven't, like, wide receivers, the Patriots don't really rely on number one wide receivers, right? They haven't really since 2007. Like, And I guess you can argue 2017, Cooks was the number one wide receiver, had 1,000 yards, right? But, like, for the most part, they haven't really relied on that, like, big-bodied number one wide receiver, Right. And so, right. And so, so that's the thing. Like, it's almost like these guys are going to fit into pieces of the puzzle more than like, you know, people like, oh my God, Aguilar's not a number one. And I'm like, yeah, but like, come on. Like, it's not, you know, I don't know. I just thought like, okay, fine. It's Aguilar, but like they're getting him for a specific purpose. And maybe they overpaid a little bit for him because they wanted him for that specific purpose, whatever that might be, whether it's just in the field or, or whatever else it is, you know? I think they're going to get like 1,300 yards from their tight ends, like minimum. Right. 1,300 yards combined. Both those guys play 16 games. And then you're also going to add in the fact that James White's going to get 40 receptions. And like it, like you said, it doesn't necessarily need – and between between Aguilar, Bourne, and Myers, all of them will get some type you know, of production and targets. It's not going to be – there's not going to be a 1,000-yard 
I don't think there'll be a thousand yard receiver on the team, whether that's a receiver or a tight end. But I think part of that is because you have multiple tight ends, multiple backs and multiple receivers who can all catch the ball. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's honestly, that's, that's where they've had success before, right? They haven't had, I mean, of course, Edelman, you know, will have his hundred, hundred catches and, and whatever on a regular season. Now, whether he's able to do that this year, whether he's able to even play this year, no one knows. Right. But like, but yeah, it was never like, oh, this guy dominates with, you know, Michael Thomas, like numbers. It just, that's just not what, that's not what they do. And I think they're best when they're not doing that, when they have five or six different options to throw to in a different play, because that's where the, that's where this offense, I think thrives. And, and I think too, like we talked about it last time, we, we weren't expecting them. Like, obviously you knew the big names out there, Galladay, which I don't think was ever really a fit, but Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, there was some, you know, that they had a contract out to him. They at least threw some feelers out. Like that was a guy that I thought would, would really fit here. But when we talked about it, you know, a month and a half ago, it was like, they don't necessarily need this big true number one and this big overhaul to position. You want true NFL caliber receivers that are going to get you 50 to 60 catches while you improve the other positional groups, which they did through the tight ends. And I think your, your leaps and bounds better, especially offensively in terms of efficient efficiency wise, um, just through two of them, like you said. Yeah. So, I mean, if you added, they added four pass catchers and I like all of them and I yeah. like, like Nelson Aguilar's contract, like on an annual basis, is it too much money? Sure. Who cares? It's a two year contract. Right. I'm like, what does it matter? Isn't, isn't there an out after year one, two? It was it's ex- it's an expensive, it's an expensive dead money uh, cap. So it's going to be a two-year contract. Otherwise, you're yeah. going to get really burned next year. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't it doesn't threaten the future salary cap? Uh, yeah. But as far as their, like, is is he going to produce like an eleven million dollar receiver? No. But is he going to be effective, as effective as an eleven million dollar receiver? Probably, because he's going to stretch the field, he's going to catch deep balls, and he's going to open up the intermediate for Hunter Henry and John Smith to eat. So it doesn't matter. This production isn't going to be like the first thing I look at at Nelson Aguilar. It's does the safety rotate to his side? Because if he is, then the Patriots are going to dominate on short and intermediate passes. Right. No, it's a good point. And there's a good question here about uh, whether they draft an. We talked about it a little bit whether they draft the next. Or a slot. I I have a in my personal mock drafts that I do. I have a strict Amari Amari Rogers rule, and that is that I must <laughs> leave every single mock draft with Amari Rogers because he's like my he's like my whoopee. Like I just like he's he probably just, going like round two, honestly. Like, no, maybe dude. early day three. I think. Like, I mean, he's I think flying up boards. He is probably, but I, I think third round still, maybe fourth, but probably third round. I would think. Um, but I mean, like just the. I, first of all, I love his game, but I also just the fact that, you know, his dad is T Higgins, who, um, T Martin, <laughs> who, um, who was one of the Brady six, like, you know, so just, just that parallel too, with it, it kind of adds a little extra in there. Um, I like the idea of going after a slot, right? A lot of people have been taking K Johnson from South Dakota. So like there are guys there. Shy Smith is another guy who's more of a later round, later round guy. Like you're going to need to bring in a guy that can replace Edelman. And so this might be the year to do that. I don't know if they're going to spend a second round pick on a guy like that, but I mean, theoretically, I guess they could, although, you know, we were saying earlier, like I, I kind of want them to go after that X as opposed to a slot guy. Maybe take a slot guy later on in the draft is would be my preference. Who is Hollins? I have no idea. He made, I think he made Collins X. Like Collins. Oh, 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 there it is. Oof, I was like, man, am I, I missing somebody? Like, Okay, yeah, I was so, that, like, I'm like, I just glossed that over that. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know who that is, but <laughs> yeah, when it, when it comes to the slot type, I'm, I'm interested in that 
uh, as well, because I think there's other guys who could do it um, beyond Amari Rogers, like you mentioned, Shai Smith and, and Kay Johnson, but also Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say? Jalen Darden. Is he, he's an inside guy. Jalen Darden, yep. And then there's also some interesting but uh, later around, like day three, maybe they even go undrafted players like Anthony Schwartz from Auburn, who runs four three. Uh, Cornell Powell, his Cornell Powell from Clemson, yeah. Cornell Powell. I was going to ask you about him, Cornell Powell. Like, what, what's his, you know, projection? I love him. And did you obviously the pro day? He looks like the Hulk. It's like DK. He's like D- yeah. bigger than DK, honestly. <laughs> so he played more on the outside um, at Clemson because Amari Rogers, you know, was kind of man on man on the slot. Um, but as far as his skill set goes, I think he could fit in either one. And yeah, dude, he looks like, like, like Captain <laughs> America when, are, he comes, yeah. when he comes out of the the like thing. Yeah. Like he's like right. just like so yoked. It's cool. and then he his his athletic drills were uh, testing was also really impressive. So he's a player I think, despite him not like almost not producing for four and a half years of college i think he had 15 catches in four years and then yeah and then this year even the halfway through this season wasn't really doing much and then kind of like came on down the line like down the stretch of the season he could be a top he might slip into the the, uh top 100 he might be like that 90 90 pick 96 for the patriots Mm. yeah it's interesting i mean it's really it's fascinating on on what they're what they're going to do there i'm going to ask you a question about the offensive line because we've been talking a lot of skill position players, but the offensive line, obviously very important, certainly around here. So they, they bring back Andrews, which was a surprise, a very nice surprise. They bring in Ted Karras. They bring back Trent Brown. Uh, you know, they have on Wenu, they have Shaq Mason. They also have Isaiah Wynn. So two questions about Wynn. And I think Wynn is guy is the guy that I want to focus on. Number one, do you pick up his option? And number two, do you, do you try to look to trade him this offseason before this season? Uh, so I would pick I would pick up his option. I would not like to trade him. Um, the line that I envision uh, is Isaiah went at left tackle, Michael Alwendo at left guard, Andrews at center, um, Shaq Mason at right guard, and Trent Brown at right tackle. I think you have Ted Karras to really probably back up not only center, but also also the guards. Right. If we're being realistic, he's going to be asked to do that, mostly because he already knows it. And we've seen him be a average starting interior offensive lineman for a couple of years in the NFL. And then uh, Justin Haran or Yanni Kajust uh, is your like swing tackle. I'm not convinced either one of them, especially Kajust, we have never seen him play. But even Harry, who flashed at times last year, I'm not convinced either of those guys are – are definite starting tackles. And I guess there could be a, a scenario where you're looking at moving Trent Brown to left tackle on one who stays at right tackle and then Karras plays one of the guards. But there's a lot of moving parts there. So I want to really be interested in getting rid of the depth that you just kind of accumulated on the offensive line. I'd rather kind of keep people where they've played. Um, and if, if Karras is a pretty expensive backup, at least it's depth. Like someone's going to get banged up at some point. Right. Uh, and, and having that guy to step in is going to be pretty valuable. Well, and, speaking and of, we, we wouldn't be surprised if they took one too, like a tackle well, like, pretty early. You they're know gonna, what I mean? And then, yeah, like I imagine, Rash- I, I don't, I wouldn't be mad at like Rashawn Slater, like at 15, he, he's a beast. I don't know right. if they'd, they'd go that high, but Jackson Carman out of, out of Clemson and like the, you know, late day two range, like, right. I don't think that's out of the question. 
Well, speaking about Justin Haran, Justin Haran today actually yeah. was yeah. recognized by Tempe for stopping a sexual assault of like a 71 year old woman. I think it was like wild. Like what a crazy story. So uh, I saw him coming at me too. I get out of the way, bro. <laughs> that's a guy. You, that's a guy you want doing. That, hey, I was just, thank God he was in the position that he was in yeah. because a guy like that, like, you know, he could, he could put a, put an end to quite a few crimes, you know? So, but no, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think that, I think the offensive line is in an interesting spot. The question, the issue that you have is that you have your two tackles right now are not on one year deals because, you know, when is, when is technically on a two year deal, but, but you have, you know, Brown on a one year deal and win with his option next year. I mean, like there, there's some interesting questions about that. Like, what are they going to do? So I think, I think I'd be shocked if they didn't take a tackle at some point, um, you know, in, in the draft. Yeah, that's a good point because on top of a reason I wouldn't trade Isaiah Wynn is like you said, Trent Brown's on a one-year contract now. I think Trent Brown probably wants to stay in New England like for the rest of his career. I don't think he's actually wants like to it. go. Yeah, he, he seems like he doesn't want to play anywhere else or for any other coach. He really appreciates the area. I don't think he wants to leave. So maybe you get a little hometown discount when it comes to him uh after you know next offseason. Unless he has a big year, then some team throws, you know, five years, hundred million at him again. Right. Uh but but uh, ultimately, yeah, I think taking a tackle is going to make a lot of sense. I, I think right now, as it stands right, like as it stands today before the draft, the Patriots probably have the best one through seven offensive line in the NFL when you take into account the starters plus the two depth guys, one interior and one tackle. So I think they're in a really good spot. And when it, when it comes to that, and, and maybe that even gets added to uh, through the draft, but for now, like I wouldn't try to try to kind of throw a wrench into that at this point in the offseason. I would want to keep that depth and and go into the season knowing it's a strength. And and kind of take us kind of the back half of the show here. Obviously you talked a lot about the offensive side of the ball, but it's hard not to talk about the defense, how loaded they are. Um, you know, Judon, uh, Van Noy's back, then, you know, McMillan. It, it, the, the biggest question for me, and I've seen, you know, you've had some interaction with it, and I know Patriots Twitter is kind of – up in the air on it is is Dante Hightower, right? Like every set that he's coming back, you've heard about it. That's the guy in the man in the middle is so super important to that defense. But I do think do you look to to kind of look for his replacement? And and I'm not as high on him as Pat is, but a guy like Nick Bolton, the guy who's gonna be in the middle, play downhill, super physical, kind of that thumper. Is that a, a like obviously they loaded up on the front seven, but I'm not wouldn't be shocked if they went a linebacker pretty early on, especially kind of that guy in the middle to replace him because we saw Bentley last year, obviously team captain had a super good rookie year for that you know wore the green dot in Detroit before hurt, but I don't think he's he's not a starting caliber linebacker. We saw that in, in a full 16 games last year, so the linebacker spot is interesting. They improved mightily, right? But I still think they could look to get some depth at that at that spot where high tower plays, given his injury history too. One thing, yeah, one think, thing, Brad. Before you go, I just want to stand up for my boy Juwan Bentley because I I'm like I'm a Bentley truther. I think I think what you're gonna see with Juwan Bentley is he looks a hell of a lot better as a Landon Roberts than he does as Dante Hightower. and so having him in that role is gonna make it uh, make it a lot he's going to look better this year than he did last year because he's not an every down back. He's not an every down linebacker. And he shouldn't be. But I think if you just say go downhill and go get the ball carrier, I think he can do that. And so uh, anyways, that's just, I, I'm a, like I said, I, Bentley's my guy. So I had to, I had to stick up for him before, before he, before he continued. I think that's a good point. Um, as far as his skill set goes, 
Um, but I agree with the assessment that they're going to be looking for another linebacker. If you look at who they've signed, like Kyle Van Noy, well, he'll take reps at stand-up backer, but you really want him on the edge, oh, right? You, yep, off-ball guy. Yeah, you're right. And and when it comes to Matthew Judon, I want that guy setting the edge. And they've had they've drafted players and, and they've tried them at an inside linebacker. Like they tried Josh Uche there for reps. They tried Anthony Jennings there for reps. They had Adrian Phillips do it at some points. They had Kyle Duggar do it when they were in dime. But realistically, a second linebacker, like true inside linebacker, maybe this year it's Raquan McMillan. We'll see. But they don't have a like legitimate guy for the future as far as that goes. Um to play next to Dante Hightower this year and hopefully eventually take over for him. So I think that's a valid uh, position to look at, especially if you consider, you know, if you're looking at the first two rounds, right, that clearly offensive line and tight end, you don't really need a first round guy at either of those positions. You can make the argument for wide receiver by now after the two um, signings running back, you don't need, need an uh, early round player. You probably you might want one for the secondary, but they have a lot of bodies back there. So you just, don't really need a safety, right? Like corners. Right. They, yeah, it's, and maybe a, a future free safety to, to replace McCordy. But really for the draft, the first two rounds, you're looking at potential contributors in year one and, and hopeful replacements for the veterans like Devin McCordy or Dante Hightower. So it's I think those positions are the ones that could be could be taken first and second round. Like I, I would would not be surprised if they take a linebacker at pick fifteen or forty six. Right. Yeah. If Parsons were to drop, you know, to to fifteen, I mean, it does make some sense there. You know, I know everyone wants a quarterback, and rightfully so. But you know, there are definitely holes on that defense. And as as excited as we are this year, you know, they're always thinking about the future. They're always thinking about the future. Um, and so, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to see it. Um, I will say Chase over here says they, they should trade down too many holes to fill. I don't know if they have a ton of holes to fill at this right. point. What hole maybe two weeks ago. Maybe two weeks ago you could right. make that argument for sure. But I still wouldn't be surprised to see a trade down simply because, and again, we've talked about it ad nauseum, but they have that gap from 46 to 96. They hate, they hate that, you know, 50 pick gap in between. And that's in the top, that's in the top 100 too. So having a 50 pick gap in the top 100, it's not ideal. And so I wouldn't, I, I still wouldn't be surprised to try to fill that, but you know, I understand the idea of trading down because you only have two picks in the first 95. I think the justification for it is you're looking for more value in the first right. two rounds, first three rounds, not you have too many holes to fill. Right. I think there's a, there's a pretty big difference between them. I could see them trading down because they're going to add multiple players at multiple positions, but not necessarily because they're holes. I think right now you're, your roster doesn't have really any glaring holes. I mean, you're going to go into the season with at least Cam Newton. Clearly, you might want to get a young quarterback in, but it, like that's their one hole. If that's not going to be answered at pick 15, then you trade down because you're going to add value in draft capital. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I think the I think the other the only other question really defensively is is cornerback. Right. They threw the second round tender on J.C. Jackson. Does another team go out and, and give him an offer sheet? Right. And if they do, then the then the Patriots have to decide: do they match the offer sheet, or do they take the second round pick for J.C. Jackson? And then you have the Stephon Gilmore question, who obviously is under contract, but clearly isn't playing for his seven and a half million dollar contract. And so, you know, you're going to have to extend him, or you're going to have to trade him, and then that team that you trade him to is going to have to extend him. So he's not playing under that contract this year. So the question for me, you know, and I, I think, I think really what it comes down to. And I've kind of flip-flopped on this. At first, I was thinking trade Gilmore, keep JC. 
I actually think I actually think it's not a terrible idea to trade JC Jackson and and try to extend Gilmore for a few years because we know that Gilmore is that still that lockdown number one corner. We only saw JC do it for a game or two, but he didn't look great doing it. He obviously is a ball hawk, but right now his value is higher than it will ever be. Ever. I mean, he had nine picks last year. He had a bunch of picks the year before. Like his value right now is higher than it will ever be. And so if you can get a second round pick for him instead of instead of paying him, it's very similar to what they did with Malcolm Butler, where you know, everyone ex- expected them to to, you know, bring back Malcolm Butler, give him a big contract. Instead, they RFA'd him and they brought in Gilmore instead. And so uh not that again, not that they're gonna treat JC that way. I think JC's a better corner than 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 Malcolm Butler, but they got the Malcolm Butler one right, right? So I don't know where they're going to go, but that's going to be really interesting. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be super surprised, but it would be a little surprising to me if both of those guys were on the roster this year. That is kind of scary to think about. I think the idea of having both of them is definitely a little bit more settling. And you also have Jonathan Jones, you know, as your number three, Miles Bryant's a young guy, and then you probably draft a, a corner as well. Um, the idea that if you're, if you are going to move on from one, I, I probably agree with you because you're, I think the value of JC Jackson, like you said, is probably not that much different than what you would get for Stefan Gilmore as far as trade chip, the trade chip goes, uh, and Gilmore is a better player, albeit it's going to last for a little bit shorter of a time, but give me the high upside, you know, for the two or three years, the Super Bowl, you know, defensive player of the year, Super Bowl caliber you know, defensive player of the year one for a right. few years rather than a good number two for, for five or six. And can they do it though? Like I'm, they, I don't know their cap situation for next year. It's still, they still have a ton of cap Yeah. next year too. Right. So they can just push the money down the road and, and make it work. I mean, he, he's got three years, at least three years of elite football left. I mean, he takes care of himself. You know, he's not, he stays on the field. And like you said, I'd rather go with the guy who I know is a true one than, than a guy who's, you know, um, certainly showed potential too, but you know, in his limited opportunities, hasn't really answered the bell like like a Gilmore has. So I, you can't lose both. That's that's like you can't lose both of them. But if I had to pick between one, I'm going with Stephon Gilmore just because I know what I'm going to get. Now the question becomes: If you do move on from one, where does cornerback become a priority in the NFL draft? It's probably round yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I go yeah. Caleb Farley, J.C. Horn. Well, it just um, depends. It just depends on. I think. I still think quarterback would be more important. I still think if you have the opportunity to go up and well, get where's a Jawan Williams field, fit? Do like, does he have a roster spot right now? Like, no one knows about him. Like, does he fill that McCourty role? That that, whew, that, that was a tough first two picks. <laughs> was it Harry and, and Williams? Yeah, not great. Yeah. <laughs> not great. I mean, that's another another second round, you know, another second round D back that you're like, oh, what are you doing? I'm so surprised that the defensive back that runs four six two didn't hasn't panned out so far. <laughs> Yeah, I just didn't. It just didn't make any sense. It was just like again. It's just like, wh- what are you trying to accomplish here? Yeah, he's big and long and stuff, but he's not that. He's not that athletic. It just didn't. I don't know. Yeah, he had bad feet on the edge. I don't want to get into it. The 2018 NFL draft still works me to this day. We should have taken should have taken DK or Debo, but I'll take that one to the grave. Right or AJ Brown, um, freaking Patriots fan AJ Brown. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think like you said, it, it, the the. I, 
moving up to trade, moving up for a quarterback, obviously would still be your your best option as far as the roster building of the future goes. But as far as like 2021 goes, if J.C. Jackson or Stephon Gilmore has moved on from, say, J.C. Jackson, say they get a second round pick, some team signs and they end up with a second round pick. Uh, and you're not moving up for a quarterback, maybe that is a capital to use to move up. But if not, it's probably a corner. Like you said, J.C. Horn, Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertan, maybe move back a few spots and still be able to get Greg Newsom from North uh, Northwestern. It probably becomes what they're going to target in the top of the draft. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And there there are definitely some guys that, that will be available later. I it's one The name of the guy is escaping me, and I can't think of who the heck Asante Samuel Jr.? No, 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 not Asante. Asante, I think, is more of a slot corner than, than yes. he is necessarily an outside yeah. corner. So, but um, I can't, I for the life of me, I can't remember. So, but either way, it doesn't matter. But there there's, are a, I mean, there's a bunch of good ones. There's Tyson Campbell from Georgia, um, Eric Stokes, Sean, Sean yeah, Wade. Sean Wade interests me. Sean you know, Wade like, is a safety. Yeah, he's not yeah. a corner. Well, he showed that this year. He, he was got really, a lot. Cornell, was Cornell really Powell good, eat though. him up. Ate him he, up in the he was very playoff. good though. He was very good, right? Was he not very good for like two years at Ohio State? And then all of a sudden right. he, he was good as a cliff. He was good as a sophomore. Um, there's I mean, there's a bunch of good corners in this draft class. I think it's one of the better um positions in the class. There's also Elijah Molden from Washington. Um yep. who I, I like a, uh, Keith Taylor Jr. from Washington a lot too. Yep. I think uh, Molden is the guy I was thinking about. And and there's one that really interests me the most is Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky. Um, he is like, he's pissed off. Like he is just mad at the world and he's a competitor. Um, and he has like, uh, he has the, the size and the attributes that you kind of look for as a potential, like number one overall corner, number one corner for an NFL team. Um, it's definitely a little bit shaky, uh, when it comes to his game, but everything is there for him in front of him. I would love Kelvin Joseph if they get him in the second round. Yeah. No, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And that's that's one of the things about this team is that now after all these signings, you're like they're they're moving in the right direction, right? And instead of there's a million holes to fill and we're concerned about every position, it's like, well, actually they're starting to look good at some positions and there are just some a few holes to fill. And of course, of course, there's still that carrot, right? That carrot that's kind of dangling in front of our faces. Like, hey, maybe we'll trade up for a quarterback. That would be exciting, wouldn't it, right? And so uh, I... I it kind of sucks because you feel like it's never going to happen, but like, yeah. So I was going to say, well, so on draft night, when, what, what do you predict? What do you not, what do you want, but what do you predict happens? They a trade back. A trade yeah, back. They move no. back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, we're so accustomed to it now. But like I said, if anything's like this offseason, never seen them spend like this, right. the quote unquote uncharacteristically aggressive offseason travels yeah. into the NFL draft, we're in good shape. When again, it's like, and I just the the point that I keep coming back to is that Bill approached this offseason with a plan, right? And that plan was start the rebuild right now, right? And that's not we're not waiting, we're starting it right now. So if you're doing that and you're getting aggressive with these free agent signings, which I love, then you have to have a plan at quarterback because it's the most important position on the field. And so you can't just say, okay, we can win with anyone, which by the way, they almost did last year without any passing game whatsoever, with no talent on the outside when the quarterback couldn't hit anyone. You know, they almost won 10 games. Like, it's insane. They really almost won 10 games last year. And, you know, they, of course, but that's what that's the difference between a good quarterback or a good offense and a not good offense is that the not good offense and the not necessarily well playing quarterback doesn't win those games. Right. And so, like, they know all about that with Tom, or they should at least with Tom Brady. So, um, I just, I keep kind of talking myself into the fact they're going to trade up 
And then maybe they don't have to trade up, right? Maybe, maybe one of those guys will drop to them. So it's just, uh, I don't know. It, you're right, though. It's going to suck when they when we get to 15 and they freaking trade back and, and Trey Lance sit on the board and, and they freaking move back to like 28. And you're like, God damn it. Like, what the hell, well, you know? Well, like I said last time, if Kyle Pitts is there and they trade out, I mean, we, Foxborough Stadium is getting just burned. Like, it's going to be a like, pile of ashes. Another like, tight not, end. All the time. Give me all the time. I don't care. I mean, he yeah. is so legit and – I mean, he could fit. The, he could be your starting next right he's now. He's going top ten. He's going top ten. Yeah, he has to go top ten. Yeah. Yeah. Hawkinson he can, goes he top can go. Four, he can go four to Atlanta. Like, right. Really, or three to the Dolphins if they stay number, there. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Number two to the Jets. Yeah. Freaking. But no, like imagine any other year, like tight end. It's like, nah, dude. That that, that that's a that's a pretty good value in that pick. Really, wherever right. he goes. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Well, Brad, this has been fun, man. We appreciate it. We uh, we love having you on. But before you leave, just uh, you know, plug yourself. Get let everyone know where they can find you, read you, and everything else. Yeah, it's at Brad Kelly seventeen. Scroll down that Twitter page, like all my tweets. Now, uh, look out for all the articles that that are posted there. Um, at Brad Kelly one seven. Nice. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it, my friend. It's always a pleasure, and uh, well, I'm sure we'll have you on later on in the off season, maybe after the draft talk about uh what your expectations are and and listen if they don't draft a quarterback we're gonna have that cam city conversation again <laughs> that's what's going on right now that's <laughs> what all right well, well, well i'll come back on after the draft to talk about Jalen waddle as a new nl patriot oh, yes, i, would, I won't nice. argue with that i want them all just trade just get like all get eight fifth eight top 15 picks right so we can draft them all that'd be great <laughs> wouldn't it i love it <laughs> all right guys all right. thanks for listening appreciate it